Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, we really love you. Lord, we thank you that you put us at the end of this age. We look to you, Lord. We look to you for what you want to speak tonight into each one of our hearts. Lord, we had nothing to do with when we would be born. But by your sovereignty, you put us here at this time and at this place. And we're here together, Lord, before you. We're here seeking you. We're seeking how to respond to you, to answer your need at the end of the age. Thank you for your mercy. We're not worthy, but we're all vessels of mercy. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for your cleansing blood. We pray that you would wash us again and purify us. We know that we are below the standard, but you have chosen us. And we say amen to your choice. And we say amen to your revelation. We say amen to what we've seen of the vision. We know we're short, but tonight we're saying, here we are. Send us. Send every one of us. We want to cooperate with you for the consummation of the age. Every one of us here would like to see you come back. Every one of us here would like to see the church built. Every one of us would like to see you satisfied. Every one of us would like to see the bride prepared for her loving husband. Lord, have mercy. Prepare us. Use tonight. Use tonight to prepare us a little more. We open to you. We love you. And we tell you we need you. We pray in your precious name. Amen. A couple of nights ago, our, our brother began by sharing with us a little bit of from the book, The Glorious Church. Do you remember that? Particularly the addendum. I would like to read a little bit more from that. This is a book by Watchman Nee, Brother Watchman Nee. And we would highly recommend, if you have not read this book, it would be very good to read this. I'd just like to read a few lines. This is toward the very end of the book. Every time God wants to make a dispensational move, he must obtain his instrument. Of course, this has been the theme of the evening line, and evening by evening, we have been touching upon these various ones whom the Lord has used already at different times when he has had the need at different stages of the history of his people. It continues, are we at the end of the age? Are we? Do you, do you really think so? If we are, Brother Nee says, if we are, the kingdom will soon begin. If a dispensational move is near, then God needs an instrument. You know, um, there's still some more I want to read, but I want to show you this. And I don't know if we do have it, the, the chart. But in our recovery version, yep, 
There it is. You know, in our recovery version Bible, in both the, uh, the with the with the notes, uh, in in the edition with the whole Bible, it's on pages 22 and 23, and with uh, in the New Testament, I think it's about page 30, 30 and 31. Uh, here we see the kingdom, the kingdom. The two circles at the at each end represent eternity past and eternity future. And the four circles in the middle depict time. Depict four or time sectioned into four periods of time. Each one, this is what we call, or our Bible students call, dispensations, periods of time. When you go from one circle to the next, you have a kind of joining. You see that? You see the dispensation before the law? That's the second circle. And then the dispensation of law? You know who turned that age? Yeah, Moses. Moses had the privilege to be a great age-turner. He was born at a particular time in the history of God's people. And God had a need. Do you recall, as our brother fellowship with us the other evening, how the children of Israel were in such a uh, terrible situation and they cried out to God and God heard their cry and God sympathized with their cry and did nothing. For 80 years. Why? He was waiting for one man. Everything hinged on one man. One man that was available, but not only available, prepared. And God, with His patience, He would work on this one man until He he was ready. And then this man was raised up to turn that age. Then, there was another period of time. Actually, the reason this is broken up is because it's in our, <laughs> it's in our Bible and, and you have to give a little room for the crease. Actually, this, this should be joined. The dispensation of law should be joined there to the dispensation of grace. And you know who turned that age? Actually, Yes, Christ, but also John the Baptist. Tonight we're coming to John. I'm excited about John. John was a very particular age turner. But look at this, brothers and sisters. There was a man, a man, whom the Lord prepared at that time, at that particular time, for that particular work. And now, where are we? Oh, I wish, I wish I had a, I wish I had a, what do you call those? Laser pointer. Thank you. Wait, wait. wait. We're somewhere over here. Thank you. Somewhere over here. That's the body. That's the body. We might be, we might be right here. 
Right here. We might be here, but I think we're here. And the Lord needs, He has a need to go from the age of the church, the age of grace, to the age of the kingdom. And He's waiting. Who's He waiting for? Maybe so. You. You were born at a particular time. You had nothing to do with it. Neither did I. Actually, (laughs) I found out after I grew up a little bit, I was a mistake. My, I, I have three siblings. I have three siblings. And they are 10, 12, and 14 years older than I am. My parents weren't planning for me, but God planned. Amen. amen. I think my children would say amen too. And I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. But I was born ten years later. You know, I'm really glad I was born ten years later, not two years later. Because then right now I would be eight years older. And I'm very happy right where I am. But here we are. Here we all are. The saints in the other hall. Here we are at this time in this place. And you, you are college students at this time. Wherever you are, in whatever city or nation you are, God planned for you to be here at this time. For what? For that. He's looking for some. He's looking for vessels. Actually, he's looking for a corporate vessel to build us together to be a corporate age term. I want to keep reading. The children of God lack a vision. They do not see the seriousness and intensity of the situation. Now is a matter of dispensation. Just being a good servant of the Lord is no longer good enough. This is not of great use to God. Please note that we are not saying that it is of no use. What we are doing, well, no. What are we doing to close this dispensation? You know what? I was, I was a little boy. Actually, I got saved when I was seven. I got saved by, when I was seven. Through my sister, who at the time was almost 17. And we, I, we, we were not in the Lord's recovery in the local churches. I was in, we were in the Brethren Assemblies at the time. And she preached the gospel to me. And I, I could tell you, actually, I can remember it as if it was last night. But you know what? It was 50 years ago, this past Monday. July 13th. And in 1965, when I was saved, it was a Friday. I got saved on Friday the 13th. In Brooklyn. Praise the Lord! And so uh, we, we were loving, you know, I, I, I really don't remember anything between then and my baptism, which was when I was 12. But after I was baptized, spiritual experiences started to come. The Lord became real to me. And when I was 12 and a half, I had a very definite experience with the Lord 
a visitation of the Lord. And I consecrated myself to the Lord that night. I didn't, I didn't know the word consecration. That was not in our vocabulary. But I had the word dedication. So I said, Lord, I dedicate my life to you. My whole life is for you. I want to serve you for my whole life. I was 12 and a half. But our view of serving the Lord there was very limited. But a year and a half later, I came by the Lord's mercy to a meeting of the church in Los Angeles. My sister had contacted the saints and she was in the church life there, actually in Eldon Hall. I hope, I hope you all know about Eldon Hall. You should know about our history and our heritage and the Lord's move in the early days uh, in, in, in this country and in, in the West. But there, at 14 years old, I found out. You know what I found out? I found out about this. I found out that God has a purpose, that God has a move, that in every age he's had a move, and that, and that this age was no different. God was moving in this age through the local churches. And that the goal of God's move was to prepare the bride, to build the body, prepare the bride so that he could return and then bring in the kingdom. And since I was 14 years old, that became the purpose of my existence. And you know, dear saints, actually, I believe every brother, every one of us who has spoken to you this week, and the ones who will speak, every one of us, was the Lord gained us when we were young. We were, some of us when we were very young, even as children. I think, I think so, every one of us. And the Lord put this in our hearts. And this is why we breathe. This is why, this is why we serve. This is the meaning of everything. I hope, I hope you could give the Lord a consecration that would last your whole life long until His return. Let me finish this reading. What are we doing to bring in the next stage? This is a special time. So there is the need of special Christians to do a special work. Of all the dispensational moves, the man-child is the greatest because it removes man's power and the devil's power and it brings in the kingdom. We live in the most privileged time. We can do the most for God. Light will show us the way, but strength and power will enable us to walk the road. A great price must be paid. A great price must be paid in order to be used now. Saints, a great price has to be paid. This is not cheap. Why? Because someone is opposing this. Every step of the way, someone is opposing this. You know who that is. God has an enemy. If you are as I, many of you have grown up in Christian homes. Many of you have grown up in the church life. You've consecrated along the way, and you hit roadblocks. But thank the Lord you're here today. All those consecrations meant something. The Lord honored that. The Lord honored that. But I hope, 
I do hope that the Lord would do something in every one of us. And I mean that. Not every one of you. Every one of us. For the consummation of the age. Tonight we're coming to see these two marvelous examples in the New Testament. Are you all with me here on page 93? We are in the evening session, message 4. Age turners in the New Testament. John the Baptist and Peter. John the Baptist and Peter. John was the one. We can, we can uh, turn this off now. John was one whose function was to prepare the way of the Lord and to introduce people to Christ. Peter was one who was given the keys of the kingdom to open the door to the Jewish and the Gentiles, to the Jews and the Gentiles, for the kingdom. Each of them, each of them play a great role in God's move in the New Testament. But there are some very specific points that are very applicable. I hope that we can draw something from. Let's read together Roman number one. God Sisters, please not A, please read A. There's a very important principle here I hope that we can grasp. John the Baptist was born into the family of a priest. His father was a priest. Actually, when, when the story begins, we see in Luke 1, his father's actually serving. And a lot came to him to go in and to burn incense which signifies prayer. We'll come to that at the very end. Very interesting. Really sovereign. That he was there lighting, uh, you know, the incense, burning the incense, as many people were outside praying. But he was a priest. But do you remember yesterday, our brother told us about Samuel, the time of Samuel. Already, the priesthood had degraded. And throughout many times in the Old Testament, we see, the degradation of the priesthood. How did the priesthood begin? Actually, God himself initiated this service of the priesthood. We find this in the Bible. We find this in the Old Testament. We're going to have a crystallization training on this. All the statutes are there concerning the priesthood. It was initiated by God. It is something in God's Word. Meant to be something to serve Among God's people, what is the function of the priest? The function of the priest is to bring man to God and God to man. But do you see the priesthood at the time of Samuel? Our brother didn't have time to cover that last night. How terrible 
Eli's sons, do you know the story? The things that they did, how selfish they were. They were not serving God. They were not serving man. They were serving themselves. And often in the Old Testament, you see in the prophets how the Lord would send His his faithful prophets to speak to them, to tell them, I don't care about your sacrifices. They were still doing all the rituals, all the things, according to God's Word. And God said, this doesn't please me anymore. Degradation came in. So there's a principle here that you could take something from God's Word and it could end up as a dead religion. And this happened again in the New Testament. You know, in, in, uh, at the end of the first century, we know from the writings especially of Paul and of the Apostle John, already the church was degraded by the end of the first century. The Lord, He came, He died, resurrected, He breathed into, you know, as we've been seeing in the mornings, He breathed into the disciples, poured His Spirit upon the disciples, the church was formed. And in the beginning, in those first chapters of Acts, you can see the church in its function, in its vitality. Everyone was a priest, actually. Everyone preached the gospel. Everyone pure. Everyone had overcome mammon. Well, not everyone. Actually, that's the first degradation that you see in Acts 5, with Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to, they didn't have the grace that others had, but they wanted to pretend that they did, and they wanted to show themselves forth as more than they actually were. What's that? What do we call that? Hypocrisy. And that germ came in. That germ came in. And after that, many things came in. Heresies, divisions, so many things. By the end of the first century, The church had degraded. And we can see this clearly in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. We had one of these trainings on this subject in Revelation 2 and 3, not too long ago. And that shows us, you know, that's amazing, that those, those were actual churches, seven local churches with their conditions, but put in that order, they show as a kind of prophetic history, the history of the church, the history of the church, from the first century until the Lord's coming. And what do you see there? Basically two things. Degradation and recovery. So the Lord told us this was going to happen. And this did happen. And another thing related to this, another principle, part of this I want you to see. In the Lord's recovery, as part of the Lord's recovery, and the Lord's recovery did not begin with us, You know what the history books call the Reformation. We consider to be the Lord's recovery. And the Lord raised up people at different times and different places, especially to see things from His Word. And they were fresh revelations, discoveries of the Word. And that was something as a reaction to the deadness of religion. Religion had formed. They had taken something from God's Word. Of course, along the way, a lot of leaven. And mixture came in. But they formed something that was originally from God's Word, but actually, eventually, opposed God and His move. 
And that history has been repeated over and over again for the last 500 years. Justification by faith was lost, but it was recovered. But eventually, eventually some form of religion around that. And then even baptism. You know, baptism was a great recovery. You know, people have been martyred for baptism because they were baptized in water. Because they were, this is the, the story of the Anabaptists. Some have been martyred just because they were baptized and they would not renounce their baptism. That was a great move of God. But maybe the first generation or two had something fresh, but after some time, what happens? The third or fourth generation does not have the vitality of the first. And it becomes a religion. And that's why we're concerned about you all, brothers and sisters. By the Lord's mercy, you and I, somehow, whether we stumbled into it or whether we were born into it, we ended up in God's current move on the earth. And here we are. But what will this be in 20 years? Where will you take the Lord's recovery in 20 years? It really depends on you. It's on your shoulders. It depends what you see. It depends if you're a real John the Baptist. Because John was raised up to come out of the tradition. To come out of the religion. To have reality. John was a reaction to the degradation of the old priesthood. And the Lord began a new kind of priesthood in him. John was the first New Testament priest. Actually, brothers and sisters, you might say that the Lord's recovery is really in the principle of John the Baptist. The Lord has raised up his recovery to come out of religion and to have the real priesthood. Let's continue in the reading. Let's read B. Brothers, could you read? I think you memorized this verse, haven't you? I think it's verse 15, Luke 1.15. Who can recite that? Did you memorize that? Go. Amen. It says there that John... This is, this is what, what Gabriel, when he appeared to Zechariah, he prophesied about, about the boy. He shall by no means drink wine and liquor. What does that imply? What was John to be? A Nazarite. But didn't our brother tell us the other day that the Nazarite vow was for those who were not Levites? It was a side door open to those who were not the priests so that they could serve. 
The Nazarite vow is actually for Issachar, Zebulun, Gad. The Levites should be serving. But very interesting. John was born into this tribe of Levi. But he was also a Nazarite. You know, you and I, when we were born again, when we were regenerated, we were born priests. You're a priest. You also were born a priest. But I have to ask you, have you lived as a priest? In your church life, have you been a priest? Actually, how about in all of Christianity? All the genuine brothers and sisters, the real believers in Christ, are they all serving as priests? We're all born priests. But it seems that today that's not good enough. We need those who are born priests, but who still vow the vow of the Nazareth. Those who will rise up, say, yes, I haven't fulfilled what I should be. But now, here I am. I want to be a Nazarite. I want to serve you, Lord. Let's continue. See, sisters. Amen. Brothers, deep. Amen. Oh, John had a great commission. He was separating the people unto God from all things other than God. You know how he did this? Like this. Burying them. People came to John. John said, you're good for nothing except termination. And then to meet Christ, to meet the one coming after me, to meet the one whose way I came to prepare. John, he had a great commission. He was introducing the Savior. When it talks about him in Luke, it says this in Luke 3. This was his function in Luke 3. This is starting from verse 3. And he came into all the regions surrounding the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every ravine shall be filled up. Every mountain and hill shall be leveled. The crooked places shall become a straight way. And the rough ways smooth. You know, this is actually a quotation from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, the first verse is a little different. It says this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness may clear the way of Jehovah, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You know, that's what John was doing. In John 1.17, it says his function was, to prepare for the Lord a people made ready. At the end of this age, this is what we're doing. 
we are preparing for the Lord a people made ready. And dear young people, dear young people, you can play a great role in this. To prepare for the Lord a people made ready. Go to your campuses. Go to your campuses as John and separate people unto God. Make a highway for God. Of course, to do this, there needs to be a highway within every one of us. You know, these four matters of the ravine or the valley, the mountain, the crooked, the rough place, these are the conditions of man's heart. Our heart could be in so many different conditions. So I would ask, I would ask, in your heart, does the Lord have a highway? Not just the way, but a highway, a clear way. Or are there some dips? Are there some low places that when the Lord goes there, oh, he has to slow down. He has to slow down. Now, many of us were in Southern California for the training two weeks ago. I love the highways in Southern California. We don't have highways like that in New York City. Six lane. You can just, according to the life and peace. But you can just, a smooth way. Uh, how's your heart? Any ravines? What, what does this imply? You know, sometimes... We, we are low. Within. We don't want to be low, but we're just low. Maybe, maybe there's a feeling that the Lord let us down with something. I know quite a number of cases where young people prayed. They wanted to get into some certain university. And they didn't get in. Or they got in, or, and they, but they didn't have the way to go there. For different reasons. And that stumbled them in the Lord. They were not the same after that. Some, because relationships fell apart. That, that happened. There could be a valley in our being. There could be. I hope that the Lord would fill every valley. There might be a mountain. Something there. It's just there. The Lord wants to go. But he doesn't have a straight way in our being. There's just, there's just a blockade. And only you would know what that is. Because I know that you can actually still come to the meeting. You can still share. You can still function. But the Lord knows. There's something there in the way. Maybe it's not a mountain. Maybe it's just a hill. But it's still a barrier. Does the Lord have a highway? You know, there's a there's this one place when we go to uh, Newington. I don't know if brother. I think brother Bill Lawson's in the other meeting tonight, right? There's this one place on on the on on, on Highway 15. I think brother Dennis would know where there's a there, there's a mountain, and they just cut right through the mountain, right through the mountain. I love driving there. There is a mountain there, but the highway just goes right through the mountain. Say, so, Lord, just go right through. 
And I would rather say, Lord, how about just remove the mountain? You know, I don't know, brothers and sisters, what we all are going through. You know, it could be, it could be that even in these days, the Lord is speaking to some of you concerning the full-time training. But there's something there. Maybe you already have a job lined up. Maybe you're already working. I know some brothers in these last few years, when I found out that the Lord broke through and they got to the training, they had already been working for some time. They had to give up something. It cost them something. I was so thankful to the Lord. But there might be something there. You know, really in our heart, oh, I think we long that all of you would end up in the full-time training. But, but, not in the way of a movement. We pray the Lord would lead you. We're not, we're not, we don't push people. We know the Lord has His personal leading. You know, I have, I have three children. All three of them passed through the training. Two of them are here in this audience, serving. And they can testify. I never once spoke to them about going to the full-time training. I didn't want to push them. I knew a lot of other people were talking to them. But I wanted it to be the Lord speaking, the Lord's leading. And eventually it, it was. And I believe at the beginning there were things in the way. But somehow the Lord moved them. And the Lord got at least a little way. I hope the Lord could do that with every one of us. Not just with the training, with many things, with relationships. Sometimes relationships are a big mountain, big mountain. And it's hard to, it's, it's, I understand. You feel helpless, but you can pray, Lord, have a highway in my being. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it, Lord, but, but I want to continue the dialogue. Let's continue the dialogue. Lord, have a highway in my being. Do it somehow. Maybe there's something crooked in our being. Here you say, Lord, I'm for you. But when you leave the room, you're not for the Lord. Lord, I give everything to you. But when you get home, no, you take it back. The Lord doesn't have a clear way. Maybe there are some rough places. You know what the rough places it means it's very rough, bumpy, a lot of hesitation. But don't cut off the dialogue with the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want this. Give me the grace. Give me the grace. Do this in me so that you can do this through me in others. That's how John... That's how we can be today's John. Let's continue reading. Are we in E? Yes? Sisters, E, please. Amen. Brothers, one, sisters, two.
Amen. Let's continue with through F and G. Then I'll fellowship something on this matter of the wilderness. Okay, brothers. Amen. Sisters. Amen. The wilderness. The prophecy from Gabriel is that he would be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And at a certain time, it says in verse 80, in Luke 180, that from the time he was a child, he was taken there. Or the implication is that he was taken there as a child in the wilderness, outside of the religious sphere. Sphere. And as I told you before, dear saints, the Lord's recovery is in the principle of John the Baptist. Outside of religion. And that's why people many times don't understand. They think it's, it's, it's different. And actually, this is uh, a couple of weeks ago. This happened a few times. We had several new ones come. One came to a prayer meeting. And I greeted her after the prayer meeting, and she goes, I never prayed this way before. People come to our meeting and they say, oh, this is uh, different. It's being kind. Why? Because it's in the wilderness. Apart from tradition. You know, people are blown away, actually, when they see everyone speaking. And they're wondering, who, who's the pastor here? We're in the wilderness. John, he forsook or he abandoned the priestly clothing, the priestly diet, the priestly place, the temple, to be in the wilderness wearing something that was considered unclean, eating locusts, and honey. And even the honey was wild. Wild honey. You know, uh, about this point of being wild. You know, it's good to be a little wild sometimes. A little crazy. You know, Paul said, right? That he was beside himself for the Lord. We like to see young people Crazy for the Lord. But, but I would, I would, I would tell you, yes, we have the burden that through this training, the Lord would cast fire on the earth. But I would, but I would say this, please don't be wild for the sake of being wild. We should be wild because of revelation. You see God's purpose. You see that God's turning the age. 
You see, the time that we were lit, that we were born into and that we're living in. You see the possibility that is before us. So you may go home and tell the saints, saints, the Lord is turning the age. I'm so happy that the Lord, by His mercy, has called me. And I'm here at this time. You know, we told you, it's, it's your time. It's your time. But be a little careful how you apply this. You know, 30, 38 years ago, 38 years ago, we were where you are. I'm talking about 1977. At the end of 1976, a little, little history, at the end of 1976, there was a call for many young people to go to Southern California to be trained to take the earth. I was one of them. I went there. Well, it was a marvelous time. Into April of the following year, 1997, not 1977, Brother Lee went to Europe. And he just got this this, uh, kind of stirring of the spirit. I would say his spirit was provoked by the deadness of religion in Europe. And much of our burden for Europe today is from that trip. So he came back to the States and he gave a number of conferences and he told us, he told us that we, we, we should be like the young Galileans. You know, like the apostles, the disciples, they were fishermen. The young Galileans. And so, and so we were going to be trained to take the earth. So this was a marvelous time and so Brother Lee encouraged us. And he sent the young people, go have a conference and go seek the Lord. But how the Lord will lead you to take the earth. I think a number of these brothers, we were, we were, we were there. Brother Dennis, you were there, right? Dennis Agashi. Brother Tom. I don't know if any of the other brothers. Jim, your brothers were there. So we were there. Did you know what happened? Actually, there was something else going on not too far from this place. Here in Chicago. You know what happened? A spirit of rebellion came in to poison them. And in our meetings, you know, I, I say this, I say this with shame. In some of our speaking and some even some of our songs, you know what we did? We mocked the older saints in the church. We mock the elders. It's our time. Their time is over. Something like this. With this kind of spirit. It was a wrong spirit. And that derailed the Lord's move for a period of time. I'd like you to learn something so that you would never make the same mistake. It is your time. It is your time. But remember, Noah, he inherited the godly ways of his forefathers. And where did Moses come from? How did Moses have that desire to be a Hebrew, to stand with God's people? That came from his parents. 
Amram and Jochebed. Sometimes we don't even know their names. And John, in the story of John, you see very strongly his mother and father played a great role. How could a little child get to the wilderness? You know, they named him John according to the revelation of Gabriel, right? They didn't go according to to the tradition. They wanted to name, the people wanted to name him Zechariah according to tradition. His mom said, no, his name will be John. And so they, they went to the father, and the father, you know, he because of unbelief, he was mute. And so he wrote on a tablet, his name is John. And when he wrote it, his tongue was released. So even mom and dad, they didn't live according to tradition. They lived according to revelation. You know, with Noah, with quite a number of these, you know what you see actually? Two generations together turning the age. So young people, it is your time. But appreciate the older generation. Work together with the older generation. Coordinate with the older generation. Enjoy the covering of the older generation. Then you can be more wild as long as you're covered. Let's read the rest. H. Uh, Sisters. Brothers. They keep alternating. Amen. Altogether, four. So young people, I hope you would pray, Lord, make me today's John. Have a highway in my heart so that I can go and prepare a people for you. So that I can go to my campus. Dear saints, each of you is divinely appointed on a certain campus. That is God's arrangement. He has people there. He has people there that he wants you. He wants you to go to them as the real priest. To bring them to God. First in prayer. And then bring God to them. So they can be saved. And then you bring the saved sinner as a sacrifice to God. In the Old Testament, they offered the animals. In the New Testament, the priests offer people. 
Praise the Lord for the commission of John. Lord, have a highway in all of our hearts. Now let's go on to see Peter. Let's read together. Romans 2. Amen. Brothers, please read A. Amen. You know, with Peter, you can see mainly these two things. One, that he was a fisher of men. It's just sovereign that when the Lord, the, the story, that first story we see of him, when the Lord meets him, he's there fishing. And then the Lord says, he calls him, says, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And eventually the Lord constituted him as such. And the first time Peter went fishing, he caught 3,000. Then 5,000. That's pretty good. He opened. The Lord gave him the keys of the kingdom. And he opened the door to the kingdom. You know, when you go to your campus, you go there with a key. You go there with the authority of the kingdom. You can, you can unlock people who are trapped in Satan's kingdom. And bring them into God's kingdom. And get an education on the side. I hope you would see your real profession is to be a fisher of men. The other point you can see with Peter comes from his name. Peter. Which means a stone. And it's also very symbolic, very interesting, very significant that in the Gospel of John... When we see the first time the Lord meets Peter, his name is actually Simon. And the Lord changes his name to Peter. And what does this imply? This implies transformation. That God wants to take this man of clay and transform him into a man of stone for God's building. Okay, let's read. Where are we up to? Think sisters? Please read B, and brothers one, sisters two, brothers three. Go. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading through C. Sisters, C.
And brothers, one. Sisters. When I was very young, I used to wonder if the Lord came to save us, because that's all I knew of God's purpose, that he came to redeem us. If the Lord came to redeem us, why didn't he just come down as a man, 33 and a half years old, and then jump up to the cross? Get it over with. Why this long period of time? Why the 30 years? And why the three and a half years? Later I find out, actually through the help of the ministry, how meaningful those 30 years are. We don't have time to get into that, but you know the Lord as our heavenly high priest is sympathizing with us and ministering himself to us. You know, we hardly know anything about what happened during those 30 years. That's because the Lord was living an ordinary life in an extraordinary way as a God-man. But it was an ordinary life with siblings, with a mom and dad, with so many, probably, adventures in the household. You can't help that when you have at least, what, seven children in the family. Very ordinary, but there's a supply for us from there to draw from. But the three and a half years, did he he really need to do all those miracles? Did he really need to contact all those people? He only ended up with 120. But I see today, actually, a great part was for Peter and for those other disciples. He was training them. And he was working on them. He was leading them through experiences. And especially Peter. You know, we all I think we all love Peter. We can relate to Peter because he messed up a lot. Don't you love Peter? Peter was quick to just say whatever he thought. You know, there are brothers like that. They just... Don't you think before you... You know. But Peter was just... And he was getting all sorts of trouble. And the Lord would rebuke him. And then he bounced right back. Saints, bounce back. Just bounce back quick. We don't have time to waste. We have enough time. The Lord's giving us enough time, but I don't think we have time to waste. You have to learn how to bounce back. Don't get stumbled. Don't be stumbled. You know, along the way, the Lord, the Lord will lead you through lessons. The Lord will lead you through lessons. Don't be stumbled. You know, in his book, in 1 Peter, Peter actually gives us a big key how to be transformed. It's in these verses in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
As newborn babes, this is two, chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. As newborn babes long for the guileless milk of the Word, that by it you may grow into salvation. The first point is you need the Word. To be transformed, we need the Word. The Word brings us the element of Christ to transform us. That's why we're so burdened in, in our, the morning watch session about your contact with the Word. Verse 3, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you have to taste. Taste the Lord in the Word. Verse 4, coming to Him, a living stone, rejected by man, but with God, chosen and precious. Coming to Him. We have to come to Him. When we come to the Word, come to Him. Come to Him. And then verse 5, you yourselves also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house into a holy priesthood. You know, you see here, Peter said, you're Peter. You're all Peters. In Greek, it's the same. You yourselves also as living Peters. I mean, if you read it in the Greek, that's what it says. You're living Peters. I'm a Peter. He changed my name. He transformed me. Now he wants to transform you. So come to him. Enjoy the word. Taste him. Be transformed. But, sorry to say, I have to be honest. Just enjoying the word is not enough. Because for a precious stone to be formed, you need three other things. You need heat. You need pressure. You need time. And so because of this, the Lord allows us to go through situations. All of us. All of our lives are a history. We all could write a book. I don't know who would read it, but we could write one. It's an adventure of ups and downs, of twists and turns. And Peter's life was like this, representing all of us. And then, actually in the next point, let me read this to you. Well, well, let me say this first. You know, eventually, Peter was transformed to the point where he is now the first foundation of the new Jerusalem. You know, the twelve foundations of the new Jerusalem, they have the names of the twelve apostles. I believe Peter has to be the first one. That Peter, that Peter that was messing it up in the Gospels, making the mistakes through the Lord's patient shepherding, and through his bouncing back, he didn't quit. The Lord was able to work on him and fully transform him. Indeed, it says, Peter saw the vision concerning the Lord Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the living God. After this vision, the Lord said to him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. Not long after Peter saw the highest revelation, he fell to the lowest abyss. God shows through failures, the kind of person one is. You know what we're talking about here? When the Lord, I mean, when Peter denied the Lord three times. On the night when he was being judged, just before he was crucified, Peter wept bitterly. God's mercy was upon him and he became a real Peter. He was changed from a weak and shaking person to a solid and stable person 
and the door of Pentecost was opened through him. We see what the account of what happened in Luke. In Luke 22, the Lord told them. Actually, it's funny the way he says it. He speaks to Simon, but he says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has asked to have you all to sift you as wheat. This is the night that they're about to, he's about to go to Gethsemane. He's about to be processed for death, to be crucified. And he took this time to perfect Peter a little more. Simon, he didn't call him Peter. You know, it's significant in the Bible when he calls him Peter and when he calls him Simon. And not just Simon, but Simon, Simon. Natural man, natural man. Behold, Satan has asked to have you all. Actually, the all is in italics because in English it would just, we can just say you, but in Greek it's plural. As in, as we would say, you know, in Texas, y'all? Y'all? Is that how you say it? Y'all? I don't know if that's how the Lord said it, but. Satan has asked for y'all to sift you as wheat. But listen to what the Lord says. But I have made petition concerning you, and the you is singular. That your faith would not fail. Did you see the Lord's petition was not that he would not be sifted? The Lord could have prayed, Father, don't let Satan sift Peter. But the Lord didn't pray that. And the Lord didn't, is not praying that for you either. Sorry. Nor for me. I have made petition concerning you that your faith would not fail when you're being sifted. When you don't get the class that you want. When you don't get the roommate you want. When something happens in your life. When you lose someone. We pray that your faith would not fail. And you... Once you have turned again, you will turn again. You'll be recovered. Establish your brothers. What does Peter say? Peter says to the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Not me. You must be talking about one of them. I was in the national college training. I'm strong now. I'll never be the same. Have you ever said that? Me too. Not only I was the same, I was worse than I was before. I remember as a teenager going to the mic, Oh, praise the Lord, I'll never be the same. But I'm so happy the Lord made petition about me. I don't know if you've ever had a failure to the point where you thought you were finished with the Christian life, or at least with the church life. 
there are experiences that we cannot share with others. But the Lord is praying for us. And you imagine Peter's heart. You imagine what Peter went through that during those three days because the Lord was crucified and then he was gone. You know, that night, of course, the Lord said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then little girl comes. I don't know what you're talking about. And a man comes. He even curses. And the third time. And when the third time, the rooster crowed. And he remembered what the Lord said. And just at that time, Jesus, and they met. Their eyes met. It is that look that melted Peter. And he wept bitterly. He was done. And the Lord was gone and he didn't have a way to make it up. But on resurrection morning, the sisters go to the tomb. And the Lord, and they, 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 they see an angel. And he says, he's not here, he's risen. But go, tell my disciples and Peter that I go before you into Galilee. So they, they, I'm sure they went back and we saw, we saw an angel. He's gone. He's resurrected. And, and then he said, and then, and then he told us to, to tell my disciples and Peter and go before. And if I was Peter, I'd say, whoa, whoa, back up, back up. <laughs> Could you repeat the last line? Yeah, yeah. He said, go tell my disciples and Peter and that he's going to go. Wait, 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 wait. Did he, did he said Peter? He says, yes, yes, he said, Peter, he said, only Peter? John, Matthew, James? No, no, he said, tell my disciples and Peter. What do you think this did to Peter's heart? Maybe again he would weep bitterly, but for a different reason. There's hope. He didn't forget me. He didn't write me off. We go through things, but you have to know the Lord's heart is so good toward us. He's perfecting us to be the age turners. Just don't be stumbled. Don't give up. You're here, aren't you? The Lord got you here. Your pathway maybe to here wasn't that easy, but you're here. The Lord's purpose for all of us is very great. I feel for the time, maybe we should just stop here and pray. I'll leave the reading of the rest of the few points to you.